On this episode of the Breaking the Game show, I am joined by the host of the Motor City Hoops podcast. He's also a member of the Detroit Bad Boys and is also a fellow member of the Nothing Bennett channel here on Dash Radio. That is Bryce Simon. We get into some notable trades that have already taken place, some draft selections that were a little head-scratching or really good, and then we also get into some big player options that were declined. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be right back with you after this short break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, the host, and I have a very special guest joining us today. He is the host of the Motor City Hoops podcast. He is another member of the Nothing But Net family here on Dash Radio and recently just got picked up to be part of the Detroit Bad Boys show. So without further ado, former former college basketball star himself, Mr. Bryce Simon. Bryce, how you doing today, man? I'm good, Steven. Easy on the stars, though. People are going to look up my stats and, and, <laughs> and say those, those don't equate to being a star. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the intro. Um, thank you to Detroit Bad Boys, man. I'm, I'm juiced about that. Um, breaking down film is one of my favorite things to do. And gives me another platform to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you share with us a little bit about what you do for Detroit Bad Boys and just kind of how you got started a little bit in the in the podcasting because you're kind of in your freshman year, so to speak, of doing this, right? Yeah, I'm we're I'm nine months in. So a former teammate of mine started the podcast. Uh, we're under the hoop heads, which are part of Dash Radio, as you mentioned. He he actually left the podcast about a month ago because he still plays professionally overseas. He has a family. It just became too much. So long story short, about three weeks left to go in the NBA season, I saw people doing video breakdowns. I'm like, I love doing video breakdowns. It's what I do. Scout film. That's what I do for my high school. Um, and so I started doing it and it's opened up a lot of doors. And essentially that's kind of what got me connected with Detroit Bad Boys. They did a player review for every player on the roster and asked me to do a, a video breakdown to complement it. Right on. So What's kind of been your favorite player that you've done a done a breakdown for during your time as a you know kind of a content creator now, right? Yeah. Um, so this is it's um, I like doing Ben Simmons because he's very polarizing, <laughs> but my favorite is Daniel Gafford. I, I'm a huge Daniel Gafford guy, big man in Washington. My guy. You like Daniel Gafford too? University of Arkansas, baby. That's oh, okay. where I'm from. I'm from Arkansas. So there okay. You go. Awesome. Yeah. So I, uh, I really like Daniel Gafford. So doing his breakdown, um, with the Pistons, Isaiah Stewart's one of my favorite players, um, or is my favorite player. And then Frank Jackson. So I kind of like doing the guy, maybe not so much the stars, you know, I think it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but you, you like doing a Devin Booker breakdown, like obviously he's just unreal. I kind of like doing some of the guys that are a little bit more under the radar, I guess, um, and breaking down what they bring to the game. Yeah, a little bit of that diamond in the rough feel. You know, when I was doing my draft analyst for for this upcoming draft class, I kind of fall in love with what I call, you know, broken things. You know, the, the players at the back half of the second or maybe even undrafted uh, rookies that we have saw coming in for this cycle. But, you know, I kind of have an infatuation for the higher hanging fruit is what I like to refer to them as. So that's pretty awesome, Bryce. So, um, you know, 
As you know, we have you on. We're going to be talking about some of the trades that have already happened in the young free agent cycle that we've had. And we're going to touch on some of the polarizing teams that had draft picks. So without further ado, we're going to get started. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody that support for Breaking the Game is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com at the checkout, enter in promo code BTG. That'll let them know that I sent you. And because we're such good friends, they'll hook you up with a 20% discount and free shipping on whatever it is that you purchase. So shout out to Manscaped for that deal. All right, Bryce. So kind of the big trade that has happened um, so far this young free agency period was the Los Angeles Lakers. They made a deal to bring in Russell Westbrook over from the Washington Wizards. A little bit of different ways and, you know, viewpoints and narratives that come out of just this trade in particular. But just to get into the details, you know, the Lakers received Russell Westbrook, a 2024 second rounder and a 2028 second rounder. And then Washington received Kyle Kuzma, Cantavius Caldwell-Pope, and the 22nd pick in this year's draft, which they shipped over to the Indiana Pacers for Aaron Holiday. Long term, we can throw that out the side because we don't really know who wins until all these draft picks have been made. But short term, Bryce, what was your initial thoughts on this trade? So I'm just can be completely honest I, I I don't love it for the Lakers I, I just I'm not a fan of how the Lakers have chosen to construct their roster so I'll, I'll just be completely blunt with it I, I think they need shooting they have LeBron they have AD I understand the people that say hey this takes pressure off LeBron to be such the playmaker and everything else but I just wanted to see shoot I actually kind of like the Buddy Hill now obviously I'm, I don't by no means am I saying Buddy Hill's a better player than Russell Westbrook nobody could could say that I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. I like his game. I don't think they're empty stats the way a lot of people try to say. Mm-hmm. I just think I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree. And who am I to to question an NBA front office? But I don't necessarily agree with the roster construction of the Lakers. So what is it about the fit that you don't like? Because I'm kind of on the other end of this, Bryce, and it's cool that we have a little bit of opposing viewpoints on this. And you know, we're going to do it respectfully as we always do, right? But. You know, what don't you like schematically about Russell Westbrook coming over to L.A.? I, I just think they need floor spacing. So that's my my biggest thing is I think you already have your two your two stars or whatever it is in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I just think you put shooters around them, guys that can space the floor, knock down shots, give them room to do their thing, and that's a that'll work. Now, I will admit um, they these guys may be so talented it won't matter just in terms of how I personally see a a roster and how it should be constructed, I think they need shooting. Well, and just to to peel the onion a little bit here, Bryce, you in college were what was kind of the role that you filled in in school? Yeah, that I was a shooter. I mean, that's I, gotcha. I played I played Division One basketball because one, I was six six, um, so you know I, I could fit into a position. But I was a shooter. That's what I did. Um, so maybe I'm a little biased. Hey, it's all it's all right. We all have our own biases, absolutely. Um, normally, I've been critical of the Lakers. I've been critical of Russell Westbrook, not in a hateful way, right? But you know, just as a an analyst, you know, looking at just different factors that go into watching the game. I kind of like the Russell Westbrook fit here in L.A. Um, And I want to try to talk to you a little bit just as a basketball. You know, we can throw all the accolades and stuff out the window. But when you have three stars on a team and what we've been seeing recently is that they don't all have to be on the court at the same time. So with Russell Westbrook obviously coming in as the third banana, I kind of envision him probably running a little bit more with Anthony Davis when LeBron is taking a breather. 
you know, running with even some second unit minutes and Russell Westbrook against a, an any team second unit is he's going to feast, you know. So I, I don't know. I think LeBron James has grown as a three point shooter a little bit in his time. We've seen him take the regular season not as seriously as some of the other players in the NBA. And Russell Westbrook only plays at one speed. So I think that helps the Los Angeles Lakers in the regular season. In the postseason where, they, where you know, the game slows down, the rotations shrink a little bit, I can see a little bit of concern. But I also just watched Milwaukee and Phoenix compete in the NBA Finals where in one game both teams only made six three-pointers and it was still a really well-contested game. So I don't know. I kind of look a little bit as yeah, regularly – LeBron James historically has been surrounded by three-point shooters. I don't know. I just I think that there's a little something to this where, you know, AD likes to play on the perimeter. LeBron James likes to play on the outside. Russ could probably be talked into on this team making cuts and, you know, working a little bit more off the ball to be more assertive without the ball in his hands. I don't know. What do you think about that? No, you mean you bring up two really good points. Um, the first one, you know, so obviously I rep Detroit Pistons is staggering those minutes. And that's something that's happened. People have talked about, and I've tried to talk about with Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham coming to town. So that's a great point that now you can have LeBron or Russ, one of the two on the floor almost all the time by staggering their minutes. And you make a great point that in the regular season, I think it plays really well because now LeBron can take a night off and Russ can go get 30, 15, and 15 along with AD. And maybe you can... so regular season, it makes a good point. They may end up being number one in the West now because of this, depending on how they fill out the roster. Mm-hmm. I do have concerns about the playoffs when it slows down, where the, where the shot's going to come in the half court. But you bring up a point somebody else has brought up to me that, you know, it's not like the Bucks just shot lights out from the three-point line in, in the NBA Finals. So um, I, can, I can definitely see that side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I do think that in order to make this work, the shooters got to come somewhere and there's some, you know, there's some available ones that looks like in the free agent market, depending on how much they want to sign for. Here's looking at you, Doug McDermott. All right. So Bryce, we're going to transition now from one team and one conference to another team and another, the Boston Celtics. Now they didn't grab a superstar yet. And, you know, there's rumors that they might be in the Bradley bill sweepstakes. You know, who, who knows what that, right. But they have made a couple moves in one deal. They received Chris Dunn, Bruno Fernando, and a 2023 second in a three-team deal, where they also, re- where Delon Wright was also shipped to Atlanta. But the Kings received Tristan Thompson, and then in a separate move, the Celtics got Josh Richardson from Dallas, sending recently acquired Moses Brown back down to Dallas, and they used the rest of that Gordon Hayward trade exception that they had from the previous year to kind of make all those numbers work. So Boston not really making any big splashes, but, you know, bringing in, you know, a guy like Josh Richardson, who is a, you know, a, a three and D type wing player and then a defensive mind in Port guard and Chris Dunn. What do you think of the way that Boston has handled their transactions so far? I don't know. I don't know what to think about Boston right now. Honestly, Steven, like I just I can't figure it out. You know, it looked like they were in such a good position. They had all these assets at one point and they were really, you know, Jalen Brown's a really good player. I love Jason Tatum. He's big time. I didn't Mm -hmm. love the Fournier trade last at the trade deadline. You know, that ate up a lot of that trade exception. I don't know that the Kimball Walker thing is their fault. Maybe it's overblown. It, It seems like he's kind of on the down, you know, that contract's not very good if, if he doesn't, you know, 
I don't want to say return to what he was, but, you know, start playing a little bit better. So I don't know what Boston's doing. And from, you know, going back to Bradley Beal, it kind of sounds like he wants to stay in Washington right now. So I don't know that that's a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for those listening who aren't familiar with the moves that have happened, that Kimball Walker deal that was shipped over to Oklahoma City in exchange for Al Horford. So he's getting his second stint in Boston with Brad Stevens taking over all the basketball decision making as far as, you know, front office role, things of that nature. But they got Moses Brown, who I was pretty high on them getting because he had a pretty solid role for a young developing Oklahoma City team. But they immediately ship him over and bring in Josh Richardson. So now there's this whole, you know, kind of narrative or debate. Is Marcus Smart the next guy to be sent out? You know, because if they're going to make a move, Marcus Smart outside of Brown and Tatum, obviously, is really the only other guy that has substantial value in the open trade market. So Bryce with bringing in two defensive-minded players and Chris Dunn from Atlanta and then Josh Richardson from Dallas, do you think that Marcus Smart's time in Boston might be coming to an end soon? So if we have to go back, I'm so sorry. I messed up the Kimball Walker thing so bad. No, that's, no you're fine. You're fine. Gosh dang. So I, I completely missed that You know, with everything else that's been going on with that trade. So um, I apologize to any listeners out there that I completely had forgot about that that move. So I apologize. Um, the contract's still the same whether wherever he's playing, right? Yeah, so you hit the yeah. nail on the head in that aspect. Yeah, so I, I apologize to the listeners there, and thank you for correcting me with that, Stephen. Um, Marcus Smart, yeah, he's one. I don't know. I, you continue to hear that he's on the move and he's kind of not going to be there anymore. I, I like Marcus Smart. I think every team needs a guy like Marcus Smart. Um so again, I just don't know what Boston's doing. And like you brought up Brad Stevens in his first year as, is it GM? Is that his official kind of role? president of basketball Pre- operations, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, not a whole lot to go off there because it's not a role. He's always been a coach. So mm-hmm. um, it could be a, a continued interesting offseason for the Celtics and where they decide to go with this roster. At the end of the day, what's nice is you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And there's a lot of organizations that would love to have two young players in the mold of those guys. Yeah, you got two great wing players. I don't think that they address the draft the right way. We're not going to get into them when we do our draft evaluation, but if you're interested to see my takes on that team and all the others, if you go to offtheballnetwork.com where you can get all of your sports needs, I have my draft grades they officially released earlier today. So if you're curious to see how the the Boston Celtics you know, shook out as far as draft grades, that's available on offtheballnetwork.com. But I kind of agree with you in the aspect that Boston is kind of up in the air still. I don't think that the moves that they're making are finished. You know, Chris Dunn, I was really high on him coming out of school. I don't think that he's gone to an organization that can showcase his abilities the right way. Boston was actually a favorite team of mine when he was coming out of the draft. So hopefully he can kind of live up to those expectations that he was taking in his draft class. And then Josh Richardson, you know, depending on the team, he looked really good in Miami when he was coming up. But then he went to Philly. I feel like his draft stock fell a little bit. And then in Dallas, he didn't really do much to improve it. So hopefully, you know, in in, in Boston, he can come and, f- and fill a role on the second or reserve unit, maybe even get like 20, 25 minutes a game and kind of revamp his uh, his trade value if that if there's any there at all. All right. So, Bryce, we're going to continue the trade discussion here from trades that have happened to one that was expected to but did not. So the draft was absolutely crazy. A lot of moves happened. A lot of players were taken at different spots. But the one trade package that everyone was keeping an eye on was Golden State sending their two draft picks. That was number seven and 14 
along with probably James Wiseman and an Andrew Wiggins or a Kelly Oubre Jr. to bring in a superstar. Most most notably was going to be Bradley Bill. Obviously, that didn't happen. I've kind of shared my thoughts, Bryce, that I don't necess- I didn't necessarily like Golden State as a big trade player because they would get fleeced by any team because their trade package had a deadline on it and it ended on draft night. And we saw that no trade actually happened. So they might have to wait until the trade deadline to make a move. But with that being said, you know, they made the seventh and 14th pick. They got Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Um, There's still tradable pieces, but like I said, you're going to have to wait a little bit before you can move them due to NBA rules. Do you still expect them to land a big name or is this kind of idea that Golden State is a player to land a superstar? Is that kind of overstated now? I thought a move was going to get made. Like I just thought they were in a really good position. I, I think that they need to go for it right now. You know, so I think they go for it. They Curry's at the, you know, I don't want to say he's at the end of his career, but I mean, he was unreal last year. I think you can oh, yeah. make an argument. I think you can make an argument. He was the best player in basketball last year, not the MVP. And listen, guys, Steph Curry is probably my favorite player in the league outside of Detroit. I love Steph Curry and what he does, but he wasn't the MVP, but he may have been the best player. He was unreal. Now we have no idea what clay looks like coming back from these injuries I like Draymond Green. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's left there. You have mm-hmm. Wiggins. I think Ubre is a free agent, right? I, so, restricted or unrestricted free agent? Uh, I'd have to check. I didn't think that he was, but I could be wrong on that. But if he is, I believe they would have bird rights on him to where they can yeah. match a deal to you know execute like maybe a sign and trade or something like Time that. So, I mean, you ha- you you have makings there to make a move. So it looks like unrestricted free agent 2021. So okay. um, for Ubre Jr. So it, it just seemed like it was right for them to package that stuff. Now, here's my thing, Steve. It, I, I, again, I'm a Piston guy. So in the season, I watch a lot of Pistons games and, and don't have a lot of time for other NBA games. I'll be completely honest. What happened with James Wiseman? Because I like that pick. I thought he was a good fit there. It looked like it started out well, and then things went south really fast. Well, I think that... That this team and that player in particular falls victim to the time zone that they play in because not a lot of people, unless they're specifically fans of that team or just super, you know, hyperactive basketball junkies like myself, would probably find themselves staying up late to watch Golden State play, especially last year. The biggest thing with Wiseman is that people don't realize that he actually got injured. He had an MCL injury last season. Yeah. So he he played and actually played well. I'll pull up his stats here, but I believe it was around what 12 points per game that's like the the fourth option on golden state so when he did play he was actually shown to be pretty good and bryce you would know this as a basketball player typically speaking when a young big man makes a transition to any level sometimes it takes them a little bit of time to adjust to that next level you know most big men you can't really get an adequate assessment of how they're going to be in the nba until about that third that second to third year Unless they're, you know, an Anthony Davis or a Carl Anthony Towns, so on and so forth. But last well, season, he only played 39 games, averaged about 12 points, six boards, shot, you know, 52% from the floor, about 32% from deep. And if you're into, you know, advanced analytics like I am, Bryce, he had a, a PER of 13. So about league average, but he didn't get a lot of he didn't get a lot of burn due to injury. So, Bryce, just initial thoughts on that. Well, I just. And I did watch a couple games, so it's not like I don't watch any, but whenever oh, I sure. saw him play, I liked him. 
I guess just it seems like the reports are that Golden State wasn't happy with him. You know, and Draymond came out and, and kind of took a shot at him about, yeah. you know, having guys ready to win championships now. I don't know if that was actually directed at Wiseman or not, but that's what everybody kind of thought. So I I, I, I like that roster with Wiseman on it mm-hmm. and Draymond and Wiggins and Ubre off the bench and all of that. But if Wiseman's not it, you, they needed to find a way to package all of that and and send it. it, it I don't think Bradley – I mean, Bradley Bill would be very interesting there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting – I don't know if we're supposed to get into this or not – that they drafted Kaminga, who seems like a guy that's a project, not help you right now. Um, Moses, Moses Moody is supposed to be – I sound like Cringy Perkins. Moses Moody, <laughs> Mo, Moses, Moses Moody is supposed to be like an NBA score, maybe a little mm-hmm. more apt to help you right now. So I, I just think they have to go for it, whatever that move is. So that, that's my, my, my shorter answer, I guess, is whatever the move is, I think they need to go for it. I think they have about a two-more-year window, and then I don't know what, what they're going to do. So I'm of the mindset that I like them actually taking the picks, the players that they got, especially at the position that they were drafted. And one thing that I really found interesting is that Golden State, they're ta- they're listening to the to the thoughts and opinions of their players. But those players were relevant because Golden State drafted them and they developed them. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a rushed long process. So I don't know. I like the idea of them having Moody. Kaminga and Wiseman is kind of like this future front court of this team and maybe they're not contenders this season or even the second year but you know you're still going to have Clay, Steph and Dre on contract past these next two seasons maybe about year three or four you're looking at this team being serious contenders if they just devote themselves into developing the young guys on this team and I think if you're just trying to buy 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 right now look at what happened with Brooklyn last year they're super top heavy but a lot of these guys miss significant time. You brought up a great point earlier, Bryce, is that we don't know what Clay Thompson's going to look like. And if you bring in a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Bill, surely Clay Thompson is going to be playing three. And Bryce, speaking as a as a basketball player, do you think coming off of two years not playing basketball and then you're asked to take on the toughest assignments? And not only are they the toughest assignments, but bigger, stronger assignments than what you were used to before your injury. Is that something that you would consider to be ideal? Uh, so one injury is one thing, you know, like a, just a singular ACL injury. So I got into this with Chris on um, off the ball. So I tore my ACL three times in college, um, injuries, surgeries, all that stuff. And that takes its toll. Like you don't just come back the same from multiple injuries. And I know it wasn't the same injury with Clay Thompson, but when you start to rack up multiple injuries, I think that's when it starts to really affect a player. And so I, I do think to just – I find myself doing this sometimes. I just think, oh, Clay's going to come back. He's going to shoot 40-whatever percent from three and be a defender and you know be a decent athlete. And I'm not saying it's all going to be gone, but it's going to take some time. And, and, again, multiple injuries, especially in a short amount of time, can really change a player. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, the, let me – I always do this. I come on other people's shows and ask no, questions. Go ahead. What do you think about Ben Simmons in Golden State? I love that idea because you get you get Steph doing his favorite thing in the world and that's just running for about, you know, 10 15 seconds on every offensive set and getting open and hitting a shot. You know, Draymond Green there that's the problem with that fit, right? Is what does Ben Simmons and Draymond Green look like on the floor? But if you look, Draymond Green is usually running the the play at the top of the key, right? So 
I don't know. I feel like there's a world where you can even run a pick and roll between those two. And with all the floor spacing, you know, Ben Simmons, if he buys in as a as an off ball mover, that's really going to be the way to to unlock whatever potential is there to make that work for Golden State. How do you feel about that take? No. So I what, everything you said is right. I don't know. So my dream spot for Ben Simmons, I, I'm a fan of Ben Simmons and I understand. I am too. I love Ben Simmons. I've been advocating I, for him for for quite some time. I understand the critique. He was really, really bad in those last few playoff games. But I don't think people take that and they say that's who he is. But that's not who he was. He's had 30-point playoff games. He had a 40, I think a 42-point game in the regular season this year. Whatever happened to him mentally, it was a mental thing. It wasn't just because he stinks at playing basketball. And so I love him almost feeling the Draymond role in Golden State without Draymond there. And I don't know how you pull that off because Philly doesn't want Draymond back. No. You know, so I don't know if you work a three team deal. But if like you said, if Ben Simmons will buy into being like a pick and roll uh a screener and then roll and in, he's so good in those situations, Stephen. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He catches and then passing, finishing with his athleticism, especially if he can get to his left hand. And you do that with Steph Curry, with Clay and Andrew Wiggins ready to knock down shots or throw the lob to Wiseman if that's still there. I love him in that role, and I think he's a great fit there. Or the other fit for Simmons, I know we're getting off the Warriors, would be no, in go Port- ahead. would be in Portland trade him for CJ McCollum because I think CJ does make sense in Philly and let him go do that in Portland with Damian Lillard. Mm. You know, I I've been dreaming up, you know, Ben Simmons trades and one that I think would be interesting is to Denver. You know, you might be able to sign and trade a, you know, a Will Barton. You'd obviously have to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit with a, a point guard of sorts and Monty Morris. And then obviously I think Michael Porter Jr. would be the the guy that you give up in a deal like that. And Look, Coach Malone isn't really the biggest Porter fan for for whatever reason in Denver. You know, he's really hard on him. He still coaches him like he is a rookie. But I don't know. Ben Simmons in, in, in Denver would be pretty tantalizing in my opinion. Yeah, I just – right now I don't think he fits real well with that roster in Philly. And, and again, a lot of times when you get to the level those teams are at, different from the Pistons. Mm-hmm. You know, for right now for the Pistons, you just take whatever players are the best and you, then you make it work. And then later on you, you make a trade to fill the void or whoever needs this role. When you're in the, the level those teams are, it is a, lo- a lot more about roster construction. And in Philly, when your three best players are Embiid, Harris, and Simmons, I don't think that makes sense. I think they need like a wing guard. Seth Curry did it at times. Seth Curry's way better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Um, But I still think they need a a higher level version of that to really take advantage um, of what Ben Simmons does well. So I I would like to see him with another team. And I I hope he does come back next year and really reminds people how good he is because I don't want to say I felt bad for him after that playoffs because, you know, uh, again, he's the one that wasn't able to break through whatever that mental part was, and that's what I believe it was. But I I do hope he reminds everybody how good he was or is. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that too, and it's hard to excel in a place where you're routinely reminded of how you're probably not wanted there, right? So especially with today's athletes, I think that, you know, the the, uh, mental awareness, like the mental health awareness that goes on in the NBA and other – you know, um, esteemed, you know, um, leagues and things of that nature where they have high end athletes that have to meet every expectation that society thrusts upon them. Uh, I think, uh, you know, a change of senior would do him a lot of good. So, all right, before we move on, we're going to start getting into the, to the NBA draft discussions. Before we do that, I just want to remind everybody that support for 
Breaking the Game is brought to you by Manscaped, but also by MyBookie, who is also a sponsor for Off the Ball Network. MyBookie matches up to 50% of your first deposit and up to $1,000. That's the largest bonus in the industry. They have the highest credit card accepted rates. They have fast 48-hour payout processing. Just go use promo code OFFTHEBALL and let's win big. Promo code for MyBookie is off the ball. All right, so Bryce, we just got done breaking down some trades, potential places for a guy like Ben Simmons. Had a lot of fun doing that. I also had a lot of fun watching the NBA draft. So before we get into the discussion, Bryce, just kind of what were you doing on draft day? Did you go and hang out like a bar and grill? Or were you just chilling at home? You know, how, how were you handling draft night? Yeah, so I live in a really, really small town in southwest Kansas. So um, no like, you know, sports bars or anything like that. It's super tiny. So I was just I was watching in my living room. Um, by myself, I have three kids, so they're running around crazy. My wife, who is actually a college basketball player as well, nice. um, but but not super into the NBA. So um, she was actually watching the Olympics on the iPad, asking me questions about the Olympics and stuff. I'm like, babe, I don't care. Like <laughs> the NBA draft is on. I don't I don't care about gymnastics or or swimming right now. Um, I do enjoy watching the Olympics in general, though. So I was sure. just I was just sitting on my couch in my living room watching. Right on. Well, and that's cool. I'm I'm glad I'm learning about you a little bit more as a person too, Bryce. I, I myself been married for about ten years now. We have four kids. I mean, it's congratulations. Not Thank you so much. It's not a competition, but if it was, I'm winning. I'm just letting yeah. you know that right now. But um, <laughs> the four kids, eight and under, love them. To oh death. man, that's all. They're actually cool. yeah, they're actually in Arkansas, which is where we're from right now, visiting family. So they come back soon. I miss them dearly. It's been about two weeks without them, but um, yeah, I was just chilling. We did a off the ball network kind of draft show. And uh, I was, you know, just hanging out with my guys, breaking down, you know, film and, you know, draft takes and things like that fit and all that, which was a lot of fun. But, you know, the draft is such a, a cool time in the NBA calendar year because we don't have any games. Transactions are starting to come. And there's a lot of people, Bryce, that just love basketball specifically for the, the wheeling and dealing and the drafting that happens. Right. Yeah. And that's I mean. And it, it, I think that's been across all sports. Like the NFL, it's almost more like the off season is more exciting than the regular season. And then the NBA is getting the same way. It's almost like, okay, how's the roster going to turn over? What's going to happen with this guy? Um, I know, again, I keep bringing it up, but like just with Pistons Twitter right now and the people I interact with, obviously we got Cade Cunningham and the rest of the second round picks. So you're trying to figure out about those guys and who they are. But then also now we've created enough cap space that we can be players in free agency. So people are going crazy. So it's just this off season in general, but starting off with the draft just really gets people excited. Yeah, it, it really does. And we'll we'll talk about some of the some of the teams that made either really good or really kind of head scratching decisions. We don't know if it's a bad deal yet because the players got to play, right? Like that's the biggest thing that people, even myself, need to remember is that these guys got to take the floor. But you know, I don't know how much analysts you do as far as, you know, upcoming draft prospects and stuff like that. But for the past couple seasons, I've been pretty in depth, you know, with film breakdown, you know, having having other people who are much smarter than myself uh, come on and talk to me about prospects and trying to gain understanding how sk certain skills translate and things like that. Being a former uh, you know, college athlete, I'm sure that you have a lot of expertise in that area. But you know, Bryce, we'll start with the Toronto Raptors. And I really I've been saying that they were the first domino to fall to begin this, you know, kind of just butterfly effect of the NBA draft, so to speak. Right. You know, they were projected. Everyone had it written down almost in pen 
that Jalen Suggs was surely going to get drafted by the Toronto Raptors. That did not happen. They went with Scotty Barnes, you know, the young forward, starting to be touted as kind of a center now for for Toronto out of Florida State. Um, do you think that that was the right decision with Kyle Lowry expected to leave? Or have you, you've had a chance to sit down and digest it a little bit, so probably your second takes a little bit different than your first now, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh- you're right. I thought the draft started at five. I thought one obviously was going to be Cade. Two, three, you could see maybe, but it sounded like leading up at two at Jalen Green was going to be two, which put Mobley at three. And then I just I thought maybe the perfect fit was Jalen Suggs to the Raptors, as you said, at number four, because it looks like Kyle, Kyle Lowry is not going to be there. I thought that was a nice transition into Jalen Suggs. Now, someone did bring up, you have Fred Van Vliet and you have Malachi Flynn, and I really like Malachi Flynn. I haven't watched a lot, but I, from some video, some breakdowns I'm doing right now, um, I, he, he kind of flashed whenever I watched the Raptors play. So I like him, but not enough to not take Jalen Suggs. Scotty Barnes to me, here's where I, here's my bias again. Oh, he, checks, he checks every box, right? Except one. And I just don't understand how you take somebody who can't shoot and who almost people have almost admitted will never be able to shoot at number four in the draft. I have a hard time stomaching that. So I, I, I don't want to say they made a mistake, but I would have taken Jalen Suggs. That's how I'll say it. I would have taken Jalen Suggs. Yeah, and I'll, I'll admit my bias here. I've had Jalen Suggs as my second best prospect on my big board. I just think that he's a culture changer from day one on a you know an unfortunate team. Not that Toronto is an unfortunate team or really needs an identity. Maybe that's why they didn't go with the Jalen Suggs. But I don't know, second best player on my board. He made a lot of sense there. I had Scotty Barnes like all the way down, I believe, at like ninth or 10th. And the reason being is that he's touted as this outstanding playmaker and he's got decent vision. But I mean, this I don't think this kid's going to be the second coming of Magic Johnson. You know what I mean? So taking him at fourth, I think he shows flashes enough to be kind of a secondary or tertiary playmaker. Um Maybe he has a role as a ball handler, as a big, and can take some of the less less athletic bigs off the dribble a little bit at this level. But his defense is there, and that's live. And if you look at the way that Toronto spent the rest of their draft, size was apparently high on their priority list. You know, maybe it's still with Milwaukee's or Brooklyn at, at their wings guards position. So I don't know what Toronto's doing. I don't know if they're going to slide OG Ananobi over at the two you know, maybe have Barnes play three, four, Siakam four, five, and kind of figure out, you know, Trent coming off the bench is like their sixth man. I'm not sure which direction that they're going to go, but I wasn't in love with this, you know, decision either, Bryce. And uh, speaking of, you know, you know, Jalen Suggs, he went fifth overall next to the Orlando Magic. And Bryce, initially, I wasn't the biggest fan of this pick either, because I'm thinking about Orlando. I'm like, well, they just drafted Cole Anthony last year and they have you know, Markel Fultz, who was, you know, a former number one pick, you know, they don't need another guard. But then I had a moment of clarity and I'm like, wait a second, they're a really bad team. They're really not in a position to go with, you know, positional need. They got to go best available. And I think that's what they did there, Bryce. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, I had, um, who did I, oh, Mark Schindler on. Um, and he was, I went through the first five picks and he had Josh Giddy at five, which, mm. you know, is obviously it's not Jalen Suggs, but similar position. And so he, and I was like, does that really make sense with the guys they had there? But it's like, Mark, I like Markel Fultz also. And I hope he yep. resurrects his career, you know, again, injuries and everything else. But are you really not taking somebody because of Markel Fultz? 
And I, I don't know. Again, I didn't watch a lot of Magic games, so I could be completely wrong here. But was Cole Anthony just so impressive last year that you're not taking, you know, a prospect like you said that is number two on some people's boards? You know, to me, he was number four prospect on almost at least on almost everybody's board. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, was Cole Anthony good enough that you're not going to take Jalen Suggs? And even if all those guys are good, you figure it out. You can figure it out. You know, like we just talked about with LeBron and Russ West, you, you stagger minutes and you figure it out. And if somebody ends up happy, you trade unhappy, excuse me, you trade them and, and get something in return that fits a better position. Um, I mean, it, it's obviously great value at number five to get Jalen Sugg. So I liked what they did there, not overthinking it and trying to draft for fit or something like that. Yeah. And I, you know, Suggs has the ability to play, you know, off ball too. So, you have the ability to have an Anthony and a Suggs out there or Fultz and a Suggs out there. And, and one of these guards kind of leading the charge on the second unit with RJ Hampton playing alongside him. So they got good depth there in their backcourt. But then at eighth, they were the only team that had two picks in the top 10, Bryce. They went with Franz Wagner. Now, admittedly, I, I wasn't high on this guy. I, have, I gave him a high second round grade out of everybody else. I know that that goes against the grain of the consensus. I have my reasons, but... I'm curious to see how you felt about, you know, Fr- Franz Wagner getting drafted when they have, you know, Jonathan Isaac, albeit he's kind of injury prone. You know, do you see him and Suggs being able to run some sort of fun pick and pops or like what do you think is the fit there with Franz Wagner in Orlando? You know, I don't know. He was another guy that was very polarizing, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the guys that were high on him really liked him. And so it seemed like this was going to be the position he was going to fall right in there. As I look at the guys drafted behind him, I don't know that I have a lot of arg- you know, uh, issues with this. I'm a big James Booknight guy, but Me again, too. you get, you know, you get into a lot of guards there. But still, the you know what it looks like he could be. Um, I, I don't know that you worry about that. So I, I don't I don't have issues with it. It doesn't move the needle for me. I guess I would say, um, but I don't have any issues with them taking Franz uh, at number eight. Yeah, with a, with a team like Orlando, you got your culture builder and and Jalen Suggs. I would have loved for them to kind of take a more unconventional route, like a swing for the fences type guy, because yeah, that's Orlando, fair. Yeah, they, they don't have a lot of guys, you know, banging down their door asking to come play down in, in Orlando. You know, as many great players as they've had, I don't know if I buy them. You know, going with a, I, I don't know. I just look at Franz Wagner. I look at him as a role player. You know, and taking yeah. a role player eighth overall, I, I don't know if that was the right move. That's a really good point, Stephen, because I think Jalen Suggs outside of Cade Cunningham, like of those top guys, has the highest floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he has the, as high a ceiling as those top four guys. Well, the f- guys we thought were going to be the top four, but he has a super high floor, Jalen Suggs. Does. So that was kind of your like, I don't want to see guarantee, but that was your guy like he's going to be an NBA starter. I think most people believe that's what's going to happen with Suggs. So that almost then gave you the chance to take a swing for the fences at eight because you already got the guy that was kind of like, you feel really good. This guy's going to help the the organization. So you make a good point there. I think with Franz, I don't know that there's a super high uh, ceiling there with him either. And so that would have been a good spot to swing for the fence. I don't know specifically who that guy would have been, but maybe a chance to do that. Well, I mean, we'll talk about some guys that were absolute swings for the fences here later, but I don't know. I think a, a Jalen Johnson out of Duke would have been an interesting guy. I think that he has a really high ceiling. A lot of people say that he had top 10 talent, but I don't know, Bryce. I don't know if I'm buying the whole, well, he he changed high schools a lot or he didn't finish out his college season as a reason why a, 
a professional organization in the in the business of making money would question or not his amateur decision making in the pros. So I that's how I feel about it. I feel like that's a whole nother show in, in its entirety there. But another team that kind of surprised people before we get into the player that they took, we'll talk about Oklahoma City. Now, Bryce, there were rumors that they were trying to snag your first overall pick and try to get Cade Cunningham. They were offering you guys up a draft pick and Shea Goodlooks Alexander, who I think, Bryce, I don't know how you feel about him. I'll just speak for myself. Love Shea. I think he is a really, really undervalued prospect in the NBA right now. I think that he could end up being a top 10 guy at his position. You know, everything hits right. And when he's at his peak performance, but you know, the rumor to trade him, no trades happen. They, they have their picks still. And I don't think they did themselves any favors of, you know, trying to mend the relationship with Shea Gillis Alexander by taking a guy like Josh Giddy. They took him with the sixth pick. Then they went and got Trey Mann with the 18th. You know, Giddy might have been a surprise at sixth. I, I, I think that Trey Mann went appropriately, but they went with two ball handlers here, right? And I don't know if that was the best move for Oklahoma City. Bryce, what did you think about their selections? So I don't know. I, I'll be honest. Giddy's not a guy I'm I'm uh, uh, super familiar with. Um, okay. Not a guy I've talked to people a lot about. Um, so I don't know a lot about his game. So it seemed high based off things I had heard. But like I say Mark Schindler had him going number five. So th- this draft was crazy to me because, again, outside what we thought was the consensus top four, mm-hmm. which didn't even be in that, five through 25 was insane. You could find a guy <laughs> here, here, you know, in the middle, all the way at the top, all the way at the bottom. So – I don't know. You know, Oklahoma City is has done a tremendous job acquiring um, assets. Yes, and I, I like SGA a lot too. I just wonder when the end game is coming because I woke up the day after the NBA draft and they had acquired yet another first round pick. They have like forty over the next six years or something crazy. But it's like mm-hmm. you don't have forty roster spots, so. <laughs> What what is the move? And maybe it's coming again. I'm not here to judge anybody, and they, they've seem like they've been a well-run organization. And um, Sam Presti seems like a you know he knows what he's doing for sure. I just I'm very interested to see what the end game is. And like you said, why would you make the what I would guess is the face of their franchise in SGA? Why would you make him uncomfortable or unsure by drafting these guys? So um, it's very interesting from the outside. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, the more bites of the apple that they have, maybe Presti is looking to try to do what he did the first time and draft three future MVPs on this team. (laughs) And, you know, I don't have Josh Giddy panned out to be that. And the reason why, Bryce, I'll just describe you what I look at when I break down his film. He's not a super, you know, athlete as a basketball player. He's got decent size if he's going to be playing, you know, the one. But, you know, if he's playing the two or the three, He's, you know, about six, seven to six, eight, depending on who's who is measuring him that day. Right. And, uh, you know, he's not a great shooter. Um, he's not superimposing off of the drive and he's not a, a plus defender at this moment. So really, he's just a really nice passer. But Bryce, if you don't have any other skills coupled along with that passing ability, I don't know how dangerous of a player that makes you. I just think that people look at him. They look at his age and they look at how tall he is. And that's where people become infatuated with him. Well, where so where are minutes going to come for these guys? Because okay, so as you corrected me earlier, the trade I had forgot it that had happened in early June or mid June. You have Kimba Walker. You're obviously going to play him, right? Unless you buy him out, maybe to kind of 
to build up your your payroll because you have to meet a minimum salary requirement in the NBA. Say, so maybe he's gonna, a buyout candidate. I was going to say because looking at their their con their, their their contract situation is unbelievable in terms of like I mean that's about the only contract um, that it really looks like they have um, is Kimba's. You know everything else obviously you have to pay Shea eventually. Yes, but. I just where minutes coming from, and again, I, I I'm not a, I'm not a Thunder fan. You know, I don't I don't have I don't analyze all the rosters obviously the way I do the Pistons. It just sure. it seems very interesting, and um, I don't know maybe was Trey Mann kind of high too? Did, was that about where you thought he was going to go, or that was about the range for yeah. you? I had him slotted in my mock draft going 19th overall to the New York Knicks. And so he just went one spot above that, which, you know, is all fine and well. He's He's got great size. He's not afraid of, to take a big shot. Um, he's a good offensive player. I think he'll grow as a defender. But, you know, 18, that's not a bad pl- That's not a bad pick to be taken. But, again, is is the thought that you're getting more and more ball handlers around Shea Gillis-Alexander instead of slashers or shooters or defenders, you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's, I mean, he he's going to play with the ball in his hands a lot, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, if you already have Kimball Walker there, you know, wh- wh- where is there time for Giddy to have the ball? And what's Giddy doing if he doesn't have the ball? Because my understanding, again, like, and you've obviously outlined, you is he needs the ball in his hands to really do what he does best. Mm-hmm. And so is he good enough to do that? And then you play Shea off the ball. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of maneuver around that. Uh, they have Pochyshevsky, yep. um, Lou Dort, you know, so, so there's some, there's some things there. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, again, I'm not saying they can't, uh, they haven't done a good job acquiring assets. I'm just interested to see how they fit it all together. So, yeah, it just feels like they go for funk over, you know, functionality. So, and I don't like funk you know, they're going to be a good G league team to watch this upcoming season, no doubt. All right, so the San Antonio Spurs, Bryce, I'll tell you this. When they made their pick, I feel like the world stood still for about 30 seconds. I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams could have expected them taking Josh Primo out of Alabama, 12th overall. And Bryce, what I keep telling people is like, we just fell in love with the story of Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, this in the finals, you know, the ascent of Giannis. It was definitely... um, it was definitely a, a fun story to watch. And then just real quick, Daniel Artest pod wrote in and just says, salute Steph, salute to you, Daniel. Appreciate you tuning in, brother. It means a lot. Your viewership definitely does not go without much love and respect. But we just watched the story of Giannis Antetokounmpo comes over from second division Germany basketball, you know, is drafted in the lottery. He was about the same size as Primo is right now about six, seven. Um, set, you know, Primo entered the draft cycle or entered Alabama as about a 17 year old player. You know, maybe there's room for him to grow about six, seven inches and put on 40 pounds of muscle and, and, and maybe grow into being this next Giannis Antetokounmpo for the San Antonio Spurs. But I gave him a second, uh, second round grade. I feel like he is going to be a decent NBA player, but with all of the guards that they have in San Antonio right now, Bryce, I don't know if, 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 you know, positionally, he was the right pick or even just outright talent wise. What did you think about the, the primo pick? Yeah, that, that was the most shocking, right. In the lottery, you know, even, I mean, Scotty Barnes, you had seen moving up in. Okay. Uh, Scotty Barnes, you had seen moving up into the top five or six. So that didn't shock me. Uh, okay. It shocked me, but it wasn't like this. No, yeah, you know, you know, Steven, I, 
again, this is another guy I hate to keep saying this, but Josh Primo is not a guy I talked a lot about or had heard a lot about. So when this came up, I was, you know, extremely surprised. And again, I'm doing a breakdown right now, um, actually on DeMar DeRozan since he's a free agent. So I've been watching some Spurs games back and you just brought it up. You know, they, they have Murray, they have Lonnie Walker, they have Keldon Johnson who, who looked good. So again, is this a place where, but maybe that makes sense. Maybe the, the plan is Primo can stay behind these guys, not have a lot of pressure. He's super, super young, right? Yeah. I mean, he was, um, He's about 18 now. 18, yeah. Just turned 18 uh, yeah, last September. Yeah, he reclassified, and that's why he was able to go and play college as early and young as he did. Yeah, so you know, he's a good shooter. He shot 38%, 75% yep. from the free throw line. He, he considers him, you know, he says, I, I'm a good defender that will translate to the NBA game. So, I mean, just as a prospect, you know, but to me, it's a it's a huge swing for the fences, which maybe the Spurs are in that spot in their in the organization right now. Maybe that's what they saw and and they felt like that was a good this was a good time to take one of those picks. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his efficiency, right, you know, 42 percent overall from the floor. I don't know how you feel about stats. Right. But this is to me, I don't mind stats. It's not the end all be all to me. It just paints a picture of what actually took place in the game. Right. Like that's how I view stats and analytics. Right. Um, 42 percent is not anything to write home about. But you just mentioned about 38, 39 percent from deep, about 75 to 76 percent from the free throw line. So usually the free throw numbers indicate that the jump shots true or could be developed into, you know, a solid weapon. Right. So um, only averaged about eight points a game. And he played on a team with an, another guy that got drafted and Herb Jones, uh, John Petty is probably going to get picked up and, you know, to be a G league guy. He was a, a, a senior at Alabama. I don't know. I, I feel like if you really, really liked him, you could have traded back and got more assets for him, which is, I think my biggest issue with them taking, taking him where they did. I wonder if there wasn't a lot of takers to move up in the draft because there was such good value throughout the first round. I don't know how you felt about that, how, how you feel about that. But to me, I feel like picks six once Suggs fell to five. So six through 20, mm -hmm. I felt like a lot of those prospects were pretty on a pretty even playing field. So if you're setting at 19, Unless you've just really, really isolated a guy you like, why would you trade up to 12? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put my, my hand fine. in front. <laughs> why would you trade up to 12 when you can still get a guy you really like at 19? So I, I just, I, it makes me wonder, you know, it just didn't seem like there was a ton of movement in that area of the draft, right? Did we see the we Grizzlies? Saw, yeah, the, Charlotte traded, traded up to get the Knicks pick. You know, the Grizzlies, yeah, the Grizzlies in New Orleans agreed on a deal before the draft. Before even the draft. Yep. Yeah. So there's a little bit of movement. There's a little bit. Right. That's true. You're right, though. There was a, a lot of even into the second round. You know, we saw Sharif Cooper get taken in the second. I round. like Sharif Cooper. Oh, man. dude, I, I I wasn't the biggest fan of him because of how much depth there is at this class. But to see him fall all the way down in the middle of the second round, I'm just like, What's going on right now? I had him in like the the early twenties on on my board. So best you know, passer in the trash in the class, according to some guys. Yeah, best, he's definitely up there. If he yeah. if he's not, he's not far behind. You know, yeah. we'll put it that way. Absolutely. So, um, San Antonio shocking the world a little bit there. The last team that I want to talk about, it wouldn't be an off the ball network production if we didn't talk about the beloved New York Knicks. Uh, I. I my job security is a little bit in limbo right now because I didn't give them the best grade because I don't think that the draft is where they were putting all their investments, right? Um, they made that clear. They had the 19th pick. They traded that to Charlotte for your future first. 
Um, Charlotte took Kai Jones, who I think could have been an excellent player for New York, right? Um, they traded the 21st pick back to the 25th and, uh, for a future second. Uh, Keon Johnson was taken by the Clippers, which, you know, that that's a nice pick in my opinion. But at 25, the Knicks took Quentin Grimes. I wasn't a big fan of that selection. Um, they had Bones Highland, Cam Thomas, <laughs> Cam Thomas, Jaden Springer, Jason Preston, Miles McBride all on the board. Granted, they did take Miles McBride with the 32nd pick in the draft, so they made up for it a little bit there. Um, Bryce, in your humble in your humble opinion, I'm not gonna shed any more of my bias on this anymore because I like working that off the ball. Um, <laughs> do you think that New York made the right decision, or do you think that they're just kind of settling with the the success that they had? last year and are focusing on the free agency do i have to answer because i like my uh, connection with off the ball and i don't <laughs> i don't i don't want to lose this relationship that we've built um after the second time being on the network but um i i struggled with it i i was excited to see what the knicks did um mm-hmm. i like the knicks i love julius randall i really like julius randall and so I was a I was a big fan of theirs. I liked what they accomplished this year. Obviously, Derek Rose got traded over midseason and played really, really well for the Knicks. Yep. Um, you know, he was a piston, got traded over. So followed that a little bit. I, I thought I, I'm not a Grimes guy either. And mine is a little more biased. So I just told, you know, anybody I'm from Kansas. Quentin mm-hmm. Grimes started his career, college career at Kansas and uh and then transferred to houston so I, I wasn't i've never been a huge grimes guy now he had a great career at houston don't get me wrong but it'll be interesting to see i i just i've never trusted the shot with quentin grimes um but i could be wrong with that maybe it's come along more than what i realize but i, I like them having those two picks there and i was a little sad that they didn't make both of those yeah and specifically just for the draft they have a whole lot that they can do in the free agency wasn't a big fan of what they did in the draft, but hey, I've been wrong before, Bryce. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It happens to me. I've been married for 10 years, been been wrong a lot. Very so. rarely am I right. So that's what <laughs> if you see me post something on Twitter like, hey, look at this, I got it right. It's it's literally not because I have an ego. It's because it's happened so rarely that I'm like, I just I have to make sure people know that every once in a while I do get it right. You know, I, I messed up 10 minutes into my opportunity to record with you. So we, we all get them wrong every once in a while. It wasn't it wasn't a bad mess up. It's Kemba Walker going to Oklahoma City. I think the world forgives you, <laughs> right, brother. So I, I think it'll be okay. All right. So last little bit of news that we want to talk about. This actually broke a couple hours before we scheduled this recording, Bryce. We have Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul, both of those guys. We're kind of coming up against the tail end of, of the um, the radio show here on the Nothing But That channel on Dash Radio. Um, just if we go over and we're cut off, just want to encourage everyone to go and look up anywhere podcasts are available. Um, you know, breaking the game, you'll see the the fun little basketball on the backboard and the headphones and the microphone, the orange and black. It's very beautiful colors. Um, just go ahead and hook, hook us up with the like, share, subscribe, rate and review. Um, Bryce, we're actually going to close out for the radio segment here. Um, if you want to hear our assessment of Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul, declining their player options and what we think is going to happen next. Um, please go and, and subscribe to all of those, you know, all our, to our podcast and go and listen to that. Bryce, before we close out for the radio segment, brother, I just want to give you an opportunity. First off, just want to say thank you so much, man. We've been dialoguing a lot lately and uh, you're quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts to listen to and just one of my favorite people to interact with. Um, I just want to thank you so much for, you know, honoring us with a spot here on the show. 
um, before we go, just give the folks, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to know where they can find you and your work. Absolutely. One, thank you for having me on. And I enjoy the interaction we have on Twitter. I always enjoy talking hoops with you. So at Motor City Hoops on Twitter, um, I do obviously a bunch of piss and stuff, but sometimes NBA as well, do video breakdowns on there. I now am uh, affiliated with the Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation doing the same thing with them. So if you get a chance, if you need some Pistons and we do, I talk general NBA, go check out the podcast on Apple, Spotify, all those things. Uh, appreciate it again, Stephen. It, it means a lot to have me on. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you, you're doing a lot of great work, man. And I'm glad that we finally got an opportunity to link up. We'll do that. We'll definitely do this again. Absolutely. And we're going to have you over on Motor City Hoops whenever we get the chance. We've talked about that as well. I can't wait because I don't know if you know this, but me being an Arkansas guy, uh, you know, big nasty, you know, he, I was born in the same city oh, yeah. as Corliss Williams. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Russellville, Arkansas, went to the University of Arkansas. Six super of the big, year. Super big fan of Big Nasty. And, and you know, when I was coming into my NBA viewership, I rooted for two teams. I rooted for Detroit and I rooted for Phoenix. Detroit had Big Nasty. Phoenix had ISO Joe. So I had a team in each conference that I could pay attention to. And I was too young to know that you you weren't allowed to do that. So it was okay, right? <laughs> so um you know big shout out to the to the fine folks over in detroit big shout out to you know corliss williamson but um as for us if you want to just continue to support off the ball network you can do that just go to offtheballnetwork.com where you can get all your sports needs we have a lot of great stuff going on football season starting up you know basketball we we have the off season we're going to be doing a lot for that we have college sports you know that's hoops and football the fighting sports are covered golf. We even have golf over there. So go check out off the ball for all your sports needs. Don't go anywhere because following this show on off the ball Mondays, we have my guy, Mo Murphy taking over at 11 AM. And then following him, we have Chris LeBron, the president of off the ball network following him at noon. And then later tonight at eight o'clock, we have the Hooper. So off the ball Monday is in full effect. Thank you all so much for tuning in and uh, just please don't, don't forget to go to manscape.com. I can hook you up with a 20% discount with promo code BTG and then go to my bookie, enter in promo code off the ball and we can win big together. So on behalf of my great guest, Bryce Simon of, you know, the uh, Motor City Hoops podcast, excuse me there, I kind of choked on my spit. <laughs> you can go check that podcast out, go and su support him for the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio for off the ball for the game of basketball. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch up with you all next time. Much love, everybody. All right. So, Bryce, we're going to continue on here with the podcast just for everyone that came over from the Nothing But Net channel. Thank you all so much for checking us out. Hook us up with a five-star rating. Write us a nice review. And, of course, subscribe and tell your friends about us. So, Bryce, we got you on. We're going to close out the segment here on the podcast discussing the – player options that were declined for Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul. So first off, Kawhi Leonard declined his $36 million player option. He's believed to be re-signing with the team despite his injury. So Bryce, how good do you have to be to be injured and be like, you, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and sign this extension for several hundred million dollars. Yeah. I mean, that's, he's really good and he's really good when he's not injured. Right. Like, I mean, Kawhi is sometimes again, I think because he's so soft-spoken the way he carries himself, um, he, he does go undervalued and he was having a really good playoffs um, this year and kind of reminding people how good he was. But I do think this one, you never know with Kawhi, I guess. So maybe there, he's going to, you know, send some shockwaves to the NBA, but my guess is it's just a chance for him to get a longer deal and more money um, with however those contracts work for those guys. 
but I, I do think this one's pretty cut and dry that he'll he'll end up in Los Angeles. But you're right; it, it does take a lot of confidence in yourself to opt out of a contract um, when you're injured. You know, not to get off topic, but Spencer Dinwiddie kind of surprised me that he did the same thing um, coming off of his injury. Yeah, and what did you what did you find so interesting about Spencer compared to a guy like Kawhi Leonard? Right? Is it specifically due to his cachet in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I just think, and Kawhi has a definite home, you know, like he's going to come back to LA um, and play for the Clippers, where Spencer, I think, is probably going to end up looking for a new team and a new organization. I, I like Spencer, didn't we? I like his game a lot. Me too. Um, and so it'll be interesting coming off that injury to see how he plays. But I do think it's a little bit of more of a risk for him, just because I assume it's not going to be back in Brooklyn. Um, so I, I just... I, I think it's interesting that he declined that. Um, my guess is the rehab and everything else has been going well, and he feels like he's going to be able to pass medicals and prove to organizations that he's in a place to be the player he was pre-injury. Yeah, and it's interesting because he's kind of the guy that put this Brooklyn team together, right? Or at least he gets a lot of the lion's share of the credit for that because you know Kyrie Irving has spoke glowingly about you know, the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie recruited him and Kevin Durant doesn't come to this team without Kyrie Irving. So, uh, you know, another domino effect here where it's Spencer Dinwiddie brings the team together. Now he's going to bounce it probably to get a to pretty, to get a pretty decent paycheck. Excuse me there. Um, so yeah, Kawhi Leonard opting out, believed to be resigning. Uh, they also just found out that Serge Ibaka is going to be opting into his little over $9 million player option. So, little bit of transactions happening over with the Los Angeles Clippers. It'll be interesting to see how they build out their roster. And then the last guy that we have here, Bryce, is Chris Paul. Now, this one, I think, shocked me a little bit more than the others because not only is Chris Paul opting out of $44 million, but you know now it's kind of curious as to does he stay in Phoenix or does he go to a different team? I don't think that we're going to get this dream scenario where he's going to go take the vet men to go play in Los Angeles with his best friend LeBron James and chase down a ring. I think that he's wanting to get one last lucrative contract before he hangs up the cleats, right? Or excuse me, the sneakers, right? So what did you think about Chris Paul opting out of this deal? And what do you think is going to happen for him next? Yeah, I I was surprised by this a little bit because it was like forty four million, wasn't it? Wasn't yes. is that is that what it was? So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what the next contract is then, right? Because even if he gets three years, I mean, I guess it's going to be for more, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't imagine, you know. But how much is that three year deal going to be? Let's say it's with Phoenix. How much does Chris Paul have left? Is whatever they have to sign him for is is that contract going to end up looking bad two or three years from now? I I kind of look from, at it from the Suns' perspective of, I mean, Chris Paul still has it. I think for sure. next year and a couple years. But what if he comes back and he wants four years and I don't know, I don't know, hundred and more than a hundred, hundred and like one twenty, yeah, one, one yeah, something like that. Um. I mean that makes sense for him, obviously. That's a but by the end of that contract, is that still a good contract? Do you sign it just because you feel like you have a window to go win a championship with him the next couple of years and this young core continuing to grow? I don't think the Suns have a choice. I think if Russell Westbrook wouldn't have got traded to the Lakers, we'd be talking about that a lot more. But it just doesn't seem like that's a real possibility. Yeah, and if you remember, Bryce, it wasn't that long ago that Chris Paul, whenever he was, you know, his time was running out in Houston, that a lot of discussion was being made about this very same contract. And it was almost a sure thing that like, yeah, there's no doubt whoever makes a trade for Chris Paul, they're going to have to suck up that $44 million exception. 
And now, you know, on the, t- the tail end of having a, his first ever NBA Finals appearance, it looks like there's a number of teams that are willing to pay him $30 million a year instead of 40 And again, that's going to be spread out over more and more years. And uh, you, like you said, it may not be the same amount annually, but long term, it's going to end up being more money. Um, it's not going to be L.A., but it could be Phoenix. And, the, you know, the, the Knicks are rumored to be okay, in the too. I was going to say, the, the Knicks have a lot of cap space, right? So are they a team that – and again, I'm not an expert on many on any teams. I try to be an expert on the Pistons, but it sounds like the Knicks think they need a point guard, or at least Knicks fans are are clamoring for a point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, maybe there's a, something there that they can get in the mix. I mean, it could be. There's also rumors Stephen A. Smith, I just heard him on XM Radio earlier, saying that Damian Lillard, it's not saying that it's going to happen, but I, I believe that New York is his top destination. And if I'm – no offense to Chris Paul and the the success of his career, but if I'm making a move right now, I'm, I'm going after Damian Lillard instead of a Chris Paul. But we also have to remember that Coach Thibodeau doesn't think the same way as what, you know, analytically driven front offices do, right? I think that he – if you, if he got to pick his guy, he might go with a Chris Paul. And it, it, you just spoke to it earlier, Bryce. He had a great year. You know, he was even getting MVP type considerations for the impact that he provided in Phoenix. So, do you think that there's something there with the New York Buzz? I don't know. Like my thing is, I want him to stay in Phoenix, and, and I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan. Like I'm not one of those that like just thinks he's um, should have been MVP. And I, I think it's really hard to gauge somebody's. Um, effect on an organization in terms of the intangibles and the intangibles and the leadership when you're not actually in the locker room, when you're not on the court, when you can't hear what's being said in huddles and everything else, you can perceive it from one way from the outside. But I I think there's obviously an effect he has. I just really like that roster. I love Devin Booker. I love DeAndre Ayton. I loved uh, Michael Bridges. And I I would like to kind of see that roster run it back because the conversation is going to be that they did it against an injured Lakers team and an injured Nuggets team and an injured everybody else. And there's obviously truth to that. But if you're going to do that, you need to do that with every season because there's always caveats to every year based off injuries, bad calls, and all sorts of other things. But I would like to see them run it back to see if they could go through um, a tough West with assuming you know teams that will be healthy and um, a Lakers team that if nothing else, will be very, very talented. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that they might be the top team in the West. But Bryce, you touched on a point that we got we got time, right? I want to dive I into ha- I have as much time as you have. So There we go. There we go. And I have no family at home right now. Feel, <laughs> feel sad for me, but I mean, we can still do this show. Um, you touched on the, the aspect that there's caveats to every playoff run. And I think that that has been one of my biggest gripes about, you know, just a uh, just the, the casual NBA fan, right? Is that, yeah, but we're, we were, we were a couple inches from Brooklyn making it to the finals, you know, or we were an injury to this player away from, you know, Denver being the NBA champions. You hear that one a lot, you know, because Jamal Murray didn't play that cost Denver a championship because surely, surely Denver would have beat Milwaukee in, in the finals. Right. So I want to just get your insight a little bit as to how you just analyze an NBA season in its in its entirety. Yeah, so I mean, here's the one that nobody talks about. I thought this was great. We are also a Kevin Durant foot an inch further back from the Bucks not making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Durant's toe is on that line when he makes that shot. If it's back, I mean, so that's I think there's caveats to everything. Um 
my I, I tend to just go base off whenever it comes to like an NBA season, what are the records, who's the champion, and that's who it is. And because if we want to play this game, I'll play it. Let's just play it with every single season, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to play it, then let's let, let's just keep it fair across the board. And I think that's impossible to do. So it's really hard to win a championship. It's really hard. And probably every team that's won a championship has got a little lucky along the way. Any championship team I was a part of as a player, we got a little bit lucky along the way we got a call somebody made a shot that they probably shouldn't have Mm -hmm. somebody on the other team was injured you know whatever it was so there's those across the board so let's give every champion their due credit let's give every you know regular season you know all of that their due every mvp everything else i don't want to hear asterisk and in any of that stuff i hate that yeah if you want to do the bubble that maybe that's a little different but still i'm like nah they won the championship they beat who was in front of them. They did what they were supposed to, and they found a way. And it's really, really hard to win a championship. Really hard. Yeah, I mean, if Michael Jordan gets called for that push off, you know, I mean, that that commercial doesn't exist. You know, that 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 poster doesn't exist. So there, there's a lot to be said about every single moment in an NBA season. If one moment doesn't happen. I don't think it's logical to assume that everything else would have followed the exact same way. You know, well, I mean, if if Kawhi doesn't land on what was it, Zaza Pachula's foot, I mean, mm-hmm. if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, like some of those Warriors teams don't even make it like they did because of those things. So if Draymond doesn't kick someone in their private <laughs> parts, you know, like what what happens then? So. And, and it it's just, there's nuance to everything. And you brought it up. You brought up the stats. So I I am an analytical guy, okay. but. Um, in terms of like the threes and getting to the lane and the mid range stuff, but I'm also a video guy. So like, I I believe in stats, stats show you a lot. I think if I need a quick rundown of whatever a team's payroll, I go and look at this, you know, I go and, you know, look at if I need, uh, you know, a quick rundown of how a player played last year, I go and look at his stats. Now, if I really want to speak in depth about something though, I'm going to go watch film. You know, I don't, I don't want to come on a show like this and talk about, I don't know, Julius Randle just based off what I've seen from his stats. You know what I mean? Um, or the, the Knicks team without actually watching some games. So I try to stay in my lane with those types of things and talk about the things I've actually spent quality amount of time like you did with the draft. You speak confidently about the draft because you spent hours and hours. And everybody should respect that no matter what your opinion is. But – um, I think it takes that in, in, in all these things and stats and film breakdown go hand in hand. They work together, especially the advanced stats we have now per 36 minutes, per 100 processions, PER, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I have a subscription to Synergy. You know, if you're not <laughs> if, if you're just a casual NBA fan, don't don't burden yourself with going and looking at Synergy, because for someone like me, who I consider myself to be a sports nerd, I go to there and I go to cleaning the glasses or a couple of the websites that I check out. And I, that's just a giant wormhole for me. But Bryce, like you, I don't fall under just one camp. You know, you have these guys that are like, well, I just know when I watch a guy, how good he is when he plays. OK, but like what about the guys who aren't like the the ones that are getting pushed into into the public perception? Right. Like what about, you know, the sixth or seventh man on a team? Like how good could he be on another team? You know, you watch, you go back and watch the film that's there, but sometimes film is inadequate because there may not be enough of it, you know? 
Well, and I say film doesn't lie, but my eyes lie to me. You know, mm-hmm. if, I, if I go do a breakdown of Julius Randle, and I bring up Julius Randle because uh, Chris and the Knicks, but there you go. If, if I go do a breakdown of Julius Randle, I probably have some preconceived notions of who he is as a player. Or maybe I see it one time and then I see it, you know, multiple times. So my eyes will lie to me at times. And that's why it's so hard to evaluate guys. And, you know, so it helps. I might watch him and think, oh man, he's really good at this. And then you give me some synergy stats that are like, no, the synergy stats say he didn't shoot that well from the mid range because I'm only remembering the makes. You know, I, mm-hmm. I say that about my high school players all the time. You guys only remember whenever I tell you the bad things. You never remember whenever I give you compliments, <laughs> you know? So we're humans, right? We yep. do that type of stuff. So that's why they work hand in hand. Now, if you tell me, hey, he's this um, in pick and roll situations, but I want to go see it on film too. So it yeah. works both ways. Yeah, and to me, like you have to have every part to make a, an informed, educated decision. That's that's what I subscribe to, Bryce. Oh, absolutely, and and that's why I think it's so fun. I think it's awesome we have these advanced stats now, also because points per game. I don't even look at it anymore. Like if you really want it, go per thirty six minutes, or like my guy, my guy Matt Isa will t- say, um, per one hundred possessions is really the the what you want to look at, you know, because you can skew the data pretty good if you play oh, yeah. a really a really slow pace or if you play a really fast pace, that data gets skewed really, really quick. So per 100 possessions kind of tries to even the playing field a little bit. Um, but there's so much nuance you know, yeah. to all of that. Like an assist guy, you look at somebody's assist numbers, that doesn't tell you necessarily whether they're a great passer or what they're creating. I can go you show you a whole bunch of clips. Um, I've been doing the DeMar DeRozan one now where one, he makes great plays and guys miss a shot or mm-hmm. two, he makes the hockey assist, which I don't mean to offend anybody means he makes the pass that then makes the next pass to the guy that scores the basketball. DeRozan's the one that made the play, but he gets no stat whatsoever for that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then one stat that I, you know, just to try to put people on game here, points per possession is another one that I'm a big fan of too. Yes. You know? So I, I, I like that one as well. But hey, Bryce, dude, it was so. I'm awesome. sorry. I know. I know we got off on a tangent there. Dude, I no, apologize. Not at all. Like I will. I will nerd it up out of respect for everybody's time, yours, mine, the people watching and listening. We can. We can stop this if you want to talk out offline, dude. I'm all for that. Absolutely. We can definitely do that. But you know, out of respect for everybody's time, I just want to thank you, Bryce, so much for coming on here. Um, we got to get you on again. Like oh. that. That that's a given. We got to hey. get you on again anytime for real. Like I, I love doing this. That, that's the only reason I jumped on the podcast, the motor city hoops when I did it is, you know, I, I just, I love talking hoops. I love talking basketball. So literally anytime you say the word and as long as I can make it happen, I'll be here. That that's what's up, man. And likewise, anytime that you want to no, we're, you know, we're having you on no doubt. Okay. It, it's, you've heard it here, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, I'm going to be on <laughs> motor city hoops. So Bryce, thank you so much for being on for everybody who's listening right now on the podcast. You know, just thank you so much for your 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 follower, your following ship. I don't know. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, it's thank close. You. Hey, thank you for being my audience. It's, you know? Somebody told me today, it's your podcast. You can say whatever you want. So, hey, if, <laughs> if, if, if you want to make up a word, man, do you? Yeah, well, Adam Sandler, I think, said it best to, when he said, I have the microphone. So you listen to <laughs> everything I have to say. <laughs> So thank you everyone for your support. How about that? We'll, we'll phrase it as that. Thank you for your support. Be sure just to go, you know, share it with your friends, 
um like share subscribe rate like share subscribe rate and review all of that fun stuff and please go check out off the ball network and go check out all the amazing work that that bryce is doing just one more time bryce tell the folks where they can follow find you and your work yeah twitter motor city hoops the motor city hoops podcast on apple spotify we have a website if you want to check that out um and just follow if you i just enjoy talking nba content most of it's going to be pistons but i tweet about other stuff as well check out detroit bad boys all sorts of uh interesting content on there as well thank you for having me steven man it was a it was a blast dude no no problem at all the pleasure is all ours so on behalf of bryce myself breaking the game the nothing but net channel on dash radio for off the ball network this has been breaking the game we'll catch up with you all next time much love everybody